Welcome back to Coaches Exploring Clarity. In today's episode, we'll be looking at Chapter 15, Resilience, which starts with a quote from Confucius. Our greatest glory is not in never failing, but in rising every time we fail. Oh, sorry, my eyes have gone bugging me. <laughs> I need glasses, I think, reading glasses. Our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. Uh, talk about a mind bend. <laughs> uh, let's discuss those two things, yeah. actually. That's cool. What a way to start. Greg just rewrote Confucius. Yeah. <laughs> way to go, uh, Greg. He didn't really know yeah, what he was talking about. Clearly, he, exactly, so. Well, exactly. <laughs> what did he know? He probably meant um, failing. He just had a typo or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's funny. Freudian slip—they call that, I guess, right? Mm. Anyways, it, the uh, this morning when I read that over again and clearly read it wrong, um, I was reminded yesterday somebody in one of my groups posted an article about this was a phrase I'd never heard before. It was creative mortification, but it was basically about how. Um, in the creative process, if you're heavily criticized or if you, I guess, take criticism poorly, how it can kind of derail or stunt or or curb your creativity going forward. And, and I was reminded of a, a story from when I was seven in grade two, and uh, our school was having a pumpkin carving contest for Halloween. And so my parents went out and bought my brother and my pumpkins, and I don't remember... I mean, I was only seven, so they must have helped carve them. I don't know, but they basically left the design to us. So we just carved like the kind of pumpkins you would expect from a seven and eight year old, like, you know, triangle eyes and jaggedy teeth and whatever. And we thought they were fantastic. Couldn't wait to get them to school to be, you know, put into this contest. And uh, I remember walking into the gymnasium with my pumpkin and seeing these pumpkins that were like incredible. And the one that popped to mind was somebody did a, a King Tut pumpkin so it was all painted gold and it had like the whole head elaborate headdress and and I look I just wanted to throw my pumpkin in the garbage and like run home <laughs> it was just such a like humiliating embarrassment um so like that story came to mind although you know I spent a lot of the day yesterday reflecting on it going like I don't recall that ever really hindering me from being creative so you know and I don't remember like Obviously, my parents must have done a good job of consoling me or I'm um, talking me off the ledge <laughs> or <laughs> or whatever it was. But it, it it really rang true with this idea of resilience. Like there I was, seven year olds with this, you know, terrible experience by all accounts. Um, and yet, it, it, you know, the, to the best of my recollection, it just uh, rolled off my back like, you know, water off a duck's back, as they say. It's um so anyway, that that's just what was kind of fresh and new for me yesterday. Yeah. It was the first time I thought about that in over 40 years anyway. So yeah. strikes me as well, just if you were speaking, how like again, this is this is kind of an opinion, but I'm gonna say the new generations, and it, it, it looks like parents spend a hell of a lot of time. Um, not allowing their kids to fall over mm. and keeping them safe from that. And it looks to me like there's a lot of people now on this planet who are totally you know, ill-equipped to be able to rise again because they've never been taught how to do it. Yeah. And just, you know, as the numbers in depression and people in prison and all the rest of it arising, it seems to be sort of coherent for the number of people who are actually never, you know, allowed to get back up again because they're not even allowed to be in a situation where they're falling. Mm. Yeah, which is kind the, of interesting. Yeah. The bubble wrap generation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I think what came up for me when you just said that, Elaine, was taking it even a step further. And I have quite a few examples of conversations with people lately where 
they've brought something into their adulthood from their childhood. So if we go to your your example, Greg, that could easily have gone two ways. If you'd gone home and your parents were like, oh, poor baby, but we love your pumpkin. And oh, <laughs> they probably went, oh, dude, it's fine. You know, yeah. you've forgotten about it. But if it gone the other way and, and, you know, what they were doing was preventing you from having feelings of, oh, you know, inadequate isn't a, a, a word a seven-year-old child would use, but, you know, any feelings that they were afraid of you having if they'd mm. gone into all of that. And there's so, I have so many examples of that now where in conversations with people who, who are adults and they're saying, you know, it goes back to, oh, yeah, when I was nine, this is a real one from last week, when I was nine, this thing happened. And ever since then, something has to be in place before X. Mm. And it's like, because I, you know, I felt this and my parents tried for me not to feel that again. Essentially, that's really what it was. It's the same, you know, let's not, let's not feel upset, disappointed, hurt, inadequate with the pumpkin. Yeah, and I, I think, I don't know if it's a generational thing. It's certainly, I can't remember it happened in my house. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was. Just as you guys were saying that, I, I had like this vision of my dad just telling me to suck it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was kind of like that, wasn't it? Or yeah, even oh, here, I, well, I don't know what it's like in Italy, Elaine, but when when children fall over in the street here, any kid, any Spanish child falls over, people just ignore them. Mm. I'm with without exception you hardly I think once in all the years I've lived here have I seen you know people rush to a child who had fallen over and as a result the kid kind of goes you know wobbles back up and on it goes Mm. um and but the other way when it's like oh you know they they cry Mm. um yeah so I guess that's it's a great I hadn't really thought about that little quote but it brings up loads and it does. It happens exactly the opposite here in Italy. I must say that, and it didn't, of course, uh-huh. happen to me. You know, in my my early years in the UK, um, it was more, you know, much more like drugs. I'll just get on with it. Or even the truth, the sad truth was that your parents weren't around anyway, so you had to sort yourself out. Yeah, <laughs> you, know what I mean? <laughs> you were probably doing something you shouldn't have been doing anyway, and you've kind of fallen into some gigantic hole, or God knows what else, or you. <laughs> like your parents just weren't there but I was just thinking how uh, in the same way like on a physical sort of resilience side and how how brilliant our you know physical systems are uh, are made for for healing for for dealing Mm. with anything I was reading an article about the difference between written by an immunologist written difference between Kids in the, in like a, a British culture, so include Americans, Canadians, and, you know, such like, and an Italian or more Mediterranean culture. And apparently in the Mediterranean culture, there's a much higher case of like kids not being, uh, you know, cannot be cured anymore by antibiotics because they have a high resistance mm. because the parents are shoving antibiotics down their throats for, for no apparent reason at all. And like you very, very young children, like, I mean, as I remember, as a very young, if not told, or if I have, if not, I have photographic evidence, and it's not just me, it seems to be everybody. Like in the UK, you know, your parents would just kind of, even when you were about, you just learned to crawl, and you'd be out in the garden, and you'd be, you know, ruminating on the grass along with my, you know, rabbits. Mm. It would be like that, and you'd have your hands in the mud, and you'd have then the next thing would be your hands would be straight in your mouth, and and so on. Now Italian kids aren't allowed to do that, mm. so they're whisked away from it and severely cleansed. You know, at, at the sign of even at the sign of things, and apparently they have a, a lesser a lesser resistance. Their immune system works. Um, doesn't work as well as as a UK immune system works because of that. So, like if if the immune system is your resistance, you know, it's your ability to be able to protect, heal, and get and climb back up again and get back into good health, get back into get back on your feet, so they say. Mm. You know, that's kind of interesting as well. Mm. Yeah. But 
the potential of what's interesting, of course, is that the basic potential is always there mm. of resistance. Like it's not as though the, the immune system suddenly falls out of your body or something. It's always there and it yeah. will work for you if you allow it to work. Yeah, and I guess that's the same for our, our psychological <laughs> immune system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, what you've just described is like a an example of you know the the wisdom and intelligence of our system is context sensitive. Like it, it knows what it needs to do given the circumstances yeah. around it. Yeah. Um, exactly. Like and, and like responds to the circumstance. Mm. You know, and, and sort of can rise over and beyond what your thoughts, so that in this case the parents, you know, think that this is a dirty thing and will harm your child. The thought, the erroneous thought, mm. is, is making the parent do in this case sort of thing. But the, the body and the psychological immune system, the resilience that's within, within you anyway, will tend to survival to well-being and getting over it and sorting it out kind mm. of thing. Mm. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got a lot out of that one little quote that I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Falling, failing. Yeah, we're going to look at all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Letting the mind wander. The next thing here that, that I got a good chuckle out of was the story about the two guys that fell into the, the void, the touching the void story. Uh, yeah. Because I, I remember watching the movie about that, and yeah. I actually went back to because it's not in this story that Jamie recounts here, but I remember this one part of it, and I went back on and found it on YouTube to make sure that I wasn't imagining it. But the the story is when the guy was lying there, basically thinking he was going to die, and then uh, this song from Boney M, "Brown Girl in the Rain," popped into his head, and it kept repeating and repeating, and he friggin hated that song <laughs> and he was and he decided i'm not gonna die this stupid song in my head so he basically <laughs> dragged himself back to camp and yeah. it, it makes me laugh because uh one of our family christmas traditions that that started when i was a kid was the very first christmas music we put on as we de start decorating the house is the boney m christmas album it's like mm -hmm. our family favorite. <laughs> wow. So the fact that like we I love Boney M and this guy like hates Boney M learns that song so much that he refused to die Beautiful. with that. But it, it was kind of this idea too of the intelligence and wisdom behind life knew exactly what he needed to motivate him mm -hmm. through uh you know, yeah. he, he just as easily could have just laid there and died. I mean, most people probably would have. Um, anyway, I just every every time I've, yeah. I've come across this story, it just makes me yeah. makes me laugh. Yeah, just the idea also <laughs> that he, he like allowed it to, to come to him, mm. kind of thinking in that kind of circumstance that would be the last thing that would you know me, me sitting here in my little comfy home is kind yeah. of the last thing that's going to come to mind. A song that I don't like. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of thinking, well, send me the angels and mm. give me a harp. You know, because it looks like I'm on my last legs kind of thing. Yeah. And yet, no, what did wisdom do? Something like this is really irritating. I'm not having this at my funeral. You yeah. Know? Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes mm. on to talk about sleepwalking. I so get that. Mm. But it was kind of almost relieving because I find that my personal example of sleepwalking that I do indeed notice myself doing from now from time to time still, um, it, it's sort of calming to think that as far as Jamie's concerned, a huge number of people actually sleepwalk through life. And that was kind of, but it was also nice to see the, the other side that, um, 
that you do, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be like that, and it doesn't mean that that's just the way you are. Or it doesn't mean there's even something wrong with you. Mm. But uh, you know, and what whatever, like my my sleepwalking, as I look back on it, used to look like, oh my goodness, this might be a beginning of Alzheimer's because I seem to have a foggy brain sort of thing. Mm. But actually, that that was just the awareness of it. Indeed, that was already the the realization. Oh, you know, there's something needs to be looked at here. It's kind of interesting. It's the again the awareness of it. So, and 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 yes, you know, as Jamie said, that's it. You know, no matter how as Jamie says, no matter how real and compelling our perceptual reality sometimes means. So, I mean, you know, sometimes seen. So like it looked to me like I was either on the brink of Alzheimer's or like I was just sort of foggy brain and I'd never get out of this and I'd never learn anything hopeless. It it was that realization on reading this that oh, there's always something else there. You know, world and Jamie says a world of deeper experience is just below the surface. That's like, oh, you know, that's so freeing just to know that it's okay. And it's okay either way. That that's what this is what this particular these paragraphs gave to me. Yeah. It's okay actually yeah. either way. Yeah, I think um, when I read that, I think for me, it uh, it's, it seems to to say that. Well, says to me that no matter how self-aware we become there are always going to be moments of sleepwalking they're, they're, it's just a um, an element of of who we are i suppose when we're not when we're not conscious to ourselves that's that's what i what i took from it Yeah, the whole idea, I mean, th this ties in a lot with the other course that uh, Elaine and I are in, the um, finding your unique expression, you know, what what is your purpose in life? And I think of, you know, myself having sleep sleepwalked through most of my life in terms of doing what I was supposed to do in terms, you know, go to school, then go to university, then get a job in the field that I studied for, get a promotion, get the next promotion, et cetera, et cetera. And next thing you know, I was almost 50 and <laughs> sleepwalked through most of my life doing what I was told. And now my kids are at that early stage where they're deciding what to take in university and so on. And I'm starting to question to myself, like, as I'm trying to do my parental role of guiding them and giving them advice and stuff, it was like, part of me wants to just scream, like run the other way. Like <laughs> don't get trapped in this, you know, uh, path that society says you have to take um you know you can forge your own path versus the what we get caught up in is the this is how life is supposed to work or this is the this is the the safe secure path to take like you've got like if you have the opportunity to go to university like you have to go like, uh you know you'd, you'd be ruining your life if you didn't go kind of thing so it's been uh, interesting for me to kind of wrestle with that in the last year or so. And, you know, I mentioned all that and I still don't know what the hell the right answer is. <laughs> <laughs> or Probably there isn't one, but uh, yeah. anyway, it's, um, it's interesting. And I think, I think it, that's kind of at a macro level and then more of a micro level of sleepwalking, like, you know, kind of like we sleep every day. Like there's, there's going to be times you know, every day or every week where we just fall into this sleepwalking nature of things, whether it's a, you know, our routine or whatever it is, but I kind of, to I think what Elaine was pointing at the, the notion that that's normal and that's okay. Um, and that you can wake up at any time. Yeah. And just, 
struck me right now. I'm not actually sh sure if if what what I said before is if it, it it's it struck me. What if what if sleepwalking? I'm just trying to look back when I think I've been sleepwalking, which is actually I believe for quite a large amount of time. Um, but could there not be sort of a just depends what you call it sleepwalking that that actually you're just going through because actually everything is fine mm -hmm. you're actually all, already on the other side where everything is clear and everything is fine and there's nothing to be done mm -hmm. could that not be also described as sort of sleepwalking in that sense yeah. like you're just doing things you're just you know moving forward you and it's fine yeah that sounds like a more sort of following your, I don't know, instinct, gut, whatever. You know, it's kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, when you when you describe it like that, I think of the the uh, um, I, don't, I don't know if it was Sid Banks or somebody else, but it, it, you know, like once you find what you're looking for, like stop searching. Yeah. <laughs> and to your point, like just enjoy it. Yeah. it. And once you're there, sleepwalk through it. It's fine. Like you're. You're, yeah. already, you're already there. I mean, the truth is, we're, yeah. already, we're all, we all are already there anyway. Because, um, yeah. yeah, the because the idea of sleepwalk, at least to me, how I interpret the word, is a little bit sort of, you know, a bit you're sort of floating through things, and there are no thoughts really. You're just sort of floating through it, as it were. Mm. Which to me sounds like fine. <laughs> sounds nice. That <laughs> kind of nice, but differently than than if you're walking around with your head in the fog. Mm. Jamie says, "I mean, I don't want to nitpick on this paragraph, particularly just sort of while we're here, kind of thing." Like that sounds to me like a whole different, you know, kettle of fish. Walking around, it's like, oh my god, I can't see here. What am I supposed to be doing? Where am I going? And that just like it's kind of sounds different. I don't know. It was, oh, go on. I was just playing on the word. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, anyway, the last thing on that part that I highlighted was the last paragraph before the tale of two burglary story that says. We assume our thought forms have the same qualities as the material world, but they don't. They're made of thought, the reality principle, fleeting and imperial, literally the stuff that dreams are made of. Clarity and well-being are always there, always within reach, no matter how distant they may seem, may have seemed until now. Yeah. I think that's a, a great thing to be reminded of. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that the the tale of two burglaries is is Jamie's example of when, of like sort of just being on the on the border, you know, on one side where he just didn't quite have the clarity, but he had enough clarity, like it was in reach. Mm. Go and ask, go and ask, you know, one of mm. his mentors, Terry. Go and ask him for help. Yeah, because, and again, I, I obviously I, I relate when I speak. I think of myself. Now, if had that been me, I'd have gone berserk. Mm. You know, I'd have wanted immediately this this person trying to rob my office to be caught and punished and hung from his ears or something else or something. You know, I, and I wouldn't. I would just wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't even want to be entertained by a coach or any mentor. You know, just to make something, which guy said you know like you know this you're both doing this you're both in business sort of thing two different business models it's just that your business model is different from his and like mm -hmm. uh, you know i'll i'll god <laughs> you want to like a stiff upper upper cut or something or what yeah i wouldn't have <laughs> even been willing to entertain anything i'd have wanted to absolutely stay in the position of me being right Mm. which which never works you know mm. i can see that and it time and time again it never ever works and i see that with my clients you know they want to be right 
And it brings me back to what somebody said, you know, there's like the answer to that is, well, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Yeah. Yours the choice. But, but, but like, ooh, that, you know, really strange just reading that. You know, what, Jamie? Somebody came to your office and kind of, you just went off to your mentor and said, this is making me really angry. I'm going to get that sorted. Like, no. Mm. <laughs> and I need to commit some sort of homicide here. You yeah. Know? I need to do something. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, we are not going to cross this woman. We're not crossing her. I'm kidding. I actually... I so get it. Do you you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas I have to say, I read that and I thought, I'd be looking for the reason. I'd be going... I I would actually be looking for the reason. Be like, you know, the person's probably hungry or... I'd, Mm. I'd be... After I calmed down, I'd be like... There must be a reason, you know. Oh, yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be all over that. Take my laptop, you go. <laughs> Take the other one. <laughs> but as an example, I think it's great. And yeah, what wisdom from him to go say, I need to look at this, you know. And it was right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. funny. There's a. I've been dealing with this thing for probably a few months now. Where somewhere between when I go to bed and when I wake up in the morning someone comes and parks on the street outside my the side of my house and I, i'm assuming it's a couple people and invariably every time i wake up and i look at the kitchen window there's discarded coffee cups or garbage like so, so somebody's parking there hanging out and then throwing their garbage out of the window of their car and driving away and then i got to deal with their garbage the next day and so no you know this morning i look out and there's a whole bunch of cups out there this morning and I immediately feel my blood boiling like you know this as if like you know these people are out to get me they're intentionally and and then I started thinking about stuff like who raised these people <laughs> like have they no no consideration and I'm like I'm gonna go buy like one of these trail cans that like hunters use they put it on my tree so I can like get their license plate and I'm gonna hunt these people down <laughs> So God forbid anyone ever robs me. I mean, that's how angry I am. <laughs> some garbage from leaving a cup. Yeah. Anyway, it's it, it's yeah. It, it makes me laugh when, when I when you read this and then realize how um, I'm allowing something so silly and innocuous to get my blood pressure up, <laughs> and then yeah. I can just kind of I can just laugh and just go out and pick up the garbage and get on with my life and it's not yeah. a big deal yeah yeah and then you can come and talk to to elaine and lynn about it and how you know the ball just rises back up to the surface yeah, you know exactly. there's natural buoyancy because you're telling me we're having a laugh about it yeah yeah for you sure know. yeah and then to kind of like sure lynn that, then i start wondering like these poor guys i'm assuming they're guys <laughs> These poor guys, they must have had a hard life or, I don't know. I, you know what I'll do next time? I'll, Leave them a coffee. Put, the, I'll yeah. put the coffee ready for them. In That's the right. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something, though, if they turn up one day and you've got, you've got this, like, breakfast? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they roll up outside your house and they're like, the dude left his breakfast. <laughs> not a shotgun yeah. they'd probably, no they'd probably go on to the next house because they'd be thinking something like oh, uh, that can't be for us yeah. <laughs> oh so funny somebody oh, else would be coming better leave the space free <laughs> and it and the next the, the outside of that box brings us right to there I mean it's totally when you're lost in contaminated thinking sometimes experience feelings where agitation urgency that you know it's it's all it is it's just exactly that it's you know, you make up the story and then you add to it and you add to it and you add to it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you t- you guys are taking revenge and buying guns. What kind of trap can I set for them? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What I, what, I, what I like about that paragraph that I just started reading there is where it says, the worse we feel, the more urgent and compelling those external changes seem. Mm. And the first time I read that, I sat and thought about so many examples of where I've been feeling dreadful. And I, it's like, I have to do da, 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 whatever 10 things I think I have to do. And I start doing one of those 10 things and ultimately never finish any of them because I realized that wasn't what I had to do at all. 
what I actually had to do was probably calm down and calm, you know, release some of the horrible thoughts and settle myself and yeah, take a breath, let it all bubble back up. Yeah, or just realise where it was all coming from. Yeah. yeah. I really like this little diagram on page 167, but I, you might take this out, Greg. I can't help looking at the diagram and thinking the ones on the bottom look like piles of poo. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Uh, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> I did, that is that intentional? There's an emoticon and a phone yeah, that, yeah. that looks like that. It's got it little just, eyes. It looks it, like, yeah. <laughs> so every time now I think about stuck in dilemmas and insoluble, I'm thinking like, like they're all the piles of poo and... Yeah. Everything else is sunshine, so I'm I'm pretty sure yeah. that's and that's intentional. that's pretty contaminating. Piles of poo, at least raw it's sewage. Pretty contaminating. In the days yeah. of the germ theory, were were pretty contaminating. <laughs> pretty contaminating. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We're doing pretty good on time, so maybe we can wrap this one up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how much do we have left? Oh, maybe not. Sorry, I thought we were already. Yeah. And I thought the reality check was the end. But oh, no. Jesus, loads. There's loads, there's loads no, there's a bit more disregard. Yeah. Okay. Bit of a longer one, this one. Yeah. 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 I did highlight under, under that reality check section below that diagram you're describing, Lynn, the line that says, as you see the situation more clearly, everything looks different, including okay. what you've been perceiving as a problem. Yeah. And it reminds me, I was getting coaching from Chip Chipman and it was the whole his it, it kind of puzzled me at the time but he it was like his thing was like well what if this isn't even a problem at all <laughs> and but i was in the, the frame of mind of like no but i want this to be a problem that has to be solved like it i was so entrenched in identifying it as a problem um anyway i i so appreciate the idea that much of what we think of as problems aren't problems at all like we've 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 labeled them and made them mm. into problems yeah yeah indeed and it's also in the fact that it's never thinking about the problem that's going to resolve it mm. but rather where it where the thinking that created the problem comes from yeah. that is going to resolve it yeah. if you like well even i mean the, the idea that if, if uh like two sides of the same coin problem and, and solving or problem and solution. Like if, if it's, if you think of it as a problem inherent in that is that it needs to be solved. Yeah. Whereas if you don't think about it as a problem at all, you, you don't need a solution. Like there's nothing, there's nothing to, to be do. done. Right. Yeah. yeah. Look, kind of like my story of these guys leaving trash inside of my house. It's like, I'll just go pick it up. I, I'd have to pick it up anyway. Or I can just leave it there and let the wind blow it away and it can become someone else's problem eventually. But um, when I look at it as a problem, I, I'm thinking, how do I catch these guys? How do I stop them from doing it? Versus if it's, you know, it's not a problem at all. I don't need to solve it. I don't need to, to find out who it is or confront them or, you know, teach them what they their mother should have taught them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, and it I comes to I mind to again. Solve it. Yeah, comes to mind again um, in the in Robert Fritz' Path of Least Resistance when he he, he mentions the idea again that, that there is there is no problem, you know, or, or that problems and solutions will always go hand in hand, but mm. that they're ne neither of them are, are a place to start, mm. but the place how the place to start is always a blank canvas. Mm. Where, where creation begins. And it's from creation that, that a problem can dissolve or just not even be perceived of as, as anything anyway. So the idea, that, and this has stuck with me since I read it, this idea of everything just being, you know, there seems to be something like, oh, I seem to have an issue today, there's, or a foggy head, or there's a problem. If I can just switch into blank canvas mode, mm. like, well, what what would an artist paint now? What's what's he mm. going to do? Sort of ask myself that. Then it it can kind of rapidly shift me out of anywhere that that could potentially ruin my day. 
ดีเทลทางนี้What's coming up for me when I heard when you were both talking there was when, and from this whole paragraph, um, is somehow we have. I don't. I don't know anyone who doesn't actually. But if you guys are one of those people who doesn't, you'll let me know. When when someone comes to us with something, and it could just be people have turned, you know, a friend on the phone or a family, and they're venting. They just they want to get something off their chest, and we hear something that sounds like an issue. Um, we human beings, as uh, there's not net. If we if we go with the there's nothing to do, there is no problem. We that we won't react. We we just won't react. We'll hear it and we'll let it go wherever it goes. If we jump on the it's a problem bandwagon, it it's then there's something to fix and it just takes it takes on a whole life of its own, and. Where where I what I always think of when I think of that is a, a distinction I heard many 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 years ago was this the the notion of responding versus react when you when you react it's in the moment and it creates something when when you respond there's a delay and it gives you exactly what you just said Elaine you know it gives you a moment to bring back that blank canvas and kind of take a breath and then it'll look like something or it won't it's not necessarily anything. Anything to do? Um, that's it just kind of made me think of all that. Where we we can help people be in a problem if if we're in that space ourselves. I think. Yeah. It's it's. I think of it as a trap, as like a coach. Like if you fall for, like you said, getting into the problem with the person, it's like you know, you're. You're almost reinforcing that it is a problem that needs to be mm -hmm. fixed versus taking them upstream from it even being a problem at all. Yeah. 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 The, I just have these, I can see my daughter in my, the back of my mind just saying like, dad, I don't need you to fix this. I just need you to listen. <laughs> yeah. It's something she's told me many times. Yeah. Interestingly, the next bit, the only next bit I highlighted was on page 169 under life is not a problem to be solved. Mm. Um, where the philosopher remarked that life is not a problem to be solved, it's a mystery to be experienced. And I think if we if we can sit with that, it yeah, it takes it takes people upstream instead of staying in the what they think's created. That's something I've had to shift as becoming getting into coaching because in my business career, being a problem solver was kind of my, you know, secret to success. Um, and it reminds me of, you know, uh, he who's good with a hammer tends to think everything's a nail kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're good at solving problems, you're just out there looking for more problems um, to solve. Yeah. I must confess, I don't really understand Jamie's diagram on this, the clarity of uh, understanding and clarity of mind. Uh, oh, good, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> and I've looked at it many times. Yeah, I think I'm going to get him to explain it <laughs> to me. Mm. But, uh, I mean, I understand the concepts of the, you know, when you read through the distinction of clarity of thought versus clarity of understanding. Um, it's kind of like a micro-macro thing, I guess. At least that's the way my... I make sense of it. I guess. I guess. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I. I guess the idea is is that when you've got clarity of understanding, it won't actually necessarily take you out of a a thought generated perceptual reality when that reality seems like a problem. Mm. But when you've got clarity of mind, that's when the the perception will will change. Mm. Or you've got to, you know, if you, the higher the quality of the clarity of mind, 
the more you're experiencing peace, clarity, obviously, resilience and all the rest of it, the clear you are on understand because understanding by the nature of the word itself means that you have to have something to be thinking about understood. to understand yeah. to be understood. So it's it's you're always going to stay at the same level on this on the, but on the other side. And and that's that's how I understood it. But I, I but I think maybe we could even ask Jamie for more clarity on that. Mm. That's what I got from that. And it's kind of, kind of it's a little bit now that I said it's about like yours is the choice. You know, stay where you wish, but go. <laughs> Yours the choice. Mm, okay, I, I, yeah, I can't say any more about that because it's kind of yeah. a little bit confusing, yeah. actually. Mm -hmm. He uh, he references back to the Wizard of Oz, which he he talked about at the beginning of the the chapter, which I didn't mention mm -hmm. earlier. But I was thinking the whole time I was think, reading this about what a dated reference the wizard of Oz is becoming yeah. <laughs> and wondering what would be like for my kids who are in their teens, what would be their equivalent to the wizard of Oz oh. in terms of the a, a reference point for them? I haven't cut, really come up with it. Might be something like finding Nemo. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Or I was this morning, I was thinking of maybe the lion King or, you know, but one of those kind of classics. Hmm. Um, yeah. I kind of thought maybe finding Nemo because of the idea, you know, the little one, although he's got his his little short thin, yeah. you know, and his, and his dad's super, super overly protective. And, like, you don't go out into the ocean. You've got to stay on the reef, you know, yeah. and it, you just don't go out there. Yeah. But, like, the, the kid's natural curiosity and, and resilience and, and, you know, then all the stuff they went through with the, just made me die the octopus. I could have died with the octopus <laughs> that turned into a plant that was just yeah. pure genius. Um, but, you know, the story is that. And then, but however, you know, with, like, how neither the parent nor little Nemo ever lost hope that he would come back. And they kept, you know, putting out the stones to guide them. I don't know if I'm getting confused with Dory here. Yeah. But... <laughs> Maybe, I think you're blending the, the two together. Maybe, yeah. However, it was it was they had to get home, yeah. you know, and the octopus and the starfish yeah. and all the rest of it, and the, and he went through, you know, and the seagulls trying to get at them and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, you know, he got home and it was home, yeah. and he didn't need to be anywhere else. That that but it could be Nemo, maybe. Yeah, it's it's fun. I, I'm loving how you say Nemo because I, I think of it as Nemo, Nemo isn't it? Yes, because it's. <laughs> you know, I wasn't sure if that's like a a, yeah. a a European thing or. A... Yeah, no, it, no, it's the it would be the Italian pronunciation Italian. of the, yeah. the vowel sounds are different. Yeah. That's yeah. all. Yeah, the Nemo. I mean, yeah, we have a we we use the, yeah. uh, in my family like we often joke with each other when one of us is trying to do something out of the ordinary, something we it's it's like a. I don't know, an affirmation in a backhanded way where we say, we quote Finding Nemo, where it's like, you think you can do things, Nemo, but you just can't. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just to, to highlight like the ridiculousness of limiting yourself because you have one little floppy fin. Like, no, you can still do stuff. Like, go for oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, and then off, often, if, if, you know, more so for my wife and I to, to my kids when they've been struggling with something we just kind of chant that just keep swimming just keep swimming <laughs> yeah swimming 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 so, yeah. so may, maybe finding nemo is the replacement yeah. for the wizard of oz yeah <laughs> you can rewrite the chapter greg yeah yeah that'll be a recommendation for jamie for um revision two yeah the, the third edition yeah <laughs> In 10 more years yes and I that, then Nemo will be out of date as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I highlighted the bullet points where you are the dreamer, you are the thinker, you are not the dream. You're mm -hmm. dreaming the dream. You are not your thoughts. You are what's creating the thoughts. You are not your experience. You are what's creating your experience. Mind, the power principle, the intelligent energy behind life. Yeah. I must admit, and I'm happy to say, 
that I didn't, when I first read those and or when Jamie said those or I read them somewhere else or heard them somewhere else, like right at the beginning of my, let's say, uh, journey into yeah. the three Ps, I couldn't even understand what what was being said. Like the sentence, you are the dreamer, you are the thinker, you are not the dream, you are what's dreaming. I just didn't understand that. Mm. Now I understand it. Mm. And it was, I, I remember, I was almost shocked, like, what is going on here? Because I don't know what's being said. It's really weird. Mm. Like, I, you know, it was like Russian. I did not understand what he was saying. Not a word. Didn't make sense to me because I couldn't see that other side, yeah. you know, that other part that is within us all. The you bit, the real you. Mm. Yeah, it makes me realize how often I get caught up in in believing that I am my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's a great, great little reminder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Day-to-day, moment-to-moment mm. happenings. You want to jump to the thought experiment here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very end. So the thought experiment, isn't it a relief to realize that clarity, security, and peace of mind are always on hand, ready to rise to the surface no matter what, as soon as you insightfully realize that you're living in the experience of the principle of thought taking form this very moment? Yeah. I think for me, the the, the key to that whole phrase is insightfully realize because I know with my clients they intellectually get that they're living in the the principle of thought that they're not their thoughts that they're the one creating them and so on but they haven't yet insightfully realized it (laughs) like they haven't got it you know they 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 know it but they don't know it Mm. until they have an insight and then the light bulb kind of goes on And yeah, I I actually underlined only those two words insightfully mm. realized. Yeah. I was like, oh, of course, yeah. Which which basically is what I was saying before. You know, I just didn't get the sentence, but the, you know, you are not the dream. You are what's dreaming the dream. But it's only when you actually see who the who the you is mm. that you can understand the sentence, yeah. and that's the insight. But that how you when you see it, it that's the insight. Mm. Otherwise, you know, intellectually reading, yes, I know how to read the English language, yeah. which is what I was doing at first, just reading it mm. was was my intellect. I've learned how to read, so I read, and that's that's the difference between just realizing something and then insightfully realizing something, yeah. which is a. A fulcral point, I guess, isn't it? And and then he, you know, he goes on to to mention the, what the research says about PTSD. Mm. Um, I think that would be almost a, a podcast in itself, to, to be honest. Yeah. But it, it, it sure as, as as heavens make sense that. Or at least to start considering the lot of so-called labels and diseases and things that are given to people. Like here, have some trauma. You know, here have some PTSD. Here have some ADHD. And mm. an example of such. Um, a lot of what common sight, uh, common knowledge, and common understanding, and also what we know today in science let's say, and processes and all the rest of it and cause-effect sort of situation, we now know is just not true. Which is is kind of inspiring 
I think, you know, or hopeful for people who do believe that they have, you know, huge trauma, depression, ADHD. Mm. And I would go, I personally would go as far to say, and some well beyond, you know, so-called scientists, well beyond recovery situations, bipolar disorder, this kind of thing, severe psychiatric conditions are definitely recoverable with simply a new a new perspective which mm. is given to us by you know the three principles the clarity did, did either of you look at the this handbook that he referenced i haven't done that no i didn't to be honest i didn't it sounds didn't. pretty intriguing actually yeah just the notion of post-traumatic growth is mm. in yeah. itself um yeah people would be hopeful yeah yeah my consideration just stopped at the word pps uh, ptsd mm -hmm. uh to be honest I, I didn't then further up but it was just so the words were just inspiring enough to you know to to consider that if you like but it, it looks interesting yeah could be worthwhile looking into yeah, that's our homework for today <laughs> yeah why not? No, it actually struck me when I finished the paragraph that I hadn't, it hadn't looked at it, and it does certainly looks interesting to me. Mm -hmm. All right, well, that seems like a good place Thank to wrap today. it up. Yeah. That was a great discussion. Thanks, guys. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. See you soon.